This podcast may contain explicit language. Welcome to Care and Feeding, the show where we raise the next generation together. I'm Zach Rosen. I host another podcast. It's called The Best Advice Show, and I'm dad to six-year-old Noah and three-year-old Ami. We live in Detroit, Michigan. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom of three littles, Henry, who's 11, Oliver, who's nine, and Teddy, who's seven. We live in Tokyo, Japan. I'm Jamil Lemieux, a writer, contributor to Slate's Care and Feeding Parenting column, and mom to Naima, who's 10, and we live in Los Angeles. Happy New Year, y'all. Happy, Happy New, New Year. Year. Very weird to say care and feeding, but I do like saying it. Yes. Welcome to Care and Feeding. That is the name of our show. And we've got a good show for you today. First up, can you or maybe should you prevent your college-age kid from getting a tattoo? Our letter writer regrets the tattoo that they got when they were younger and wants to prevent their kid from the same mistake. But are they stepping over the line? Then we're going to debrief on our week in parenting with a round of everyone's favorite, Triumphs and Fails. For all of you special Slate Plus listeners, the bonus segment is moving to Monday show, so don't worry, you're still going to get it. You just need to wait a few days and then we'll be on our normal weekly pattern from there. Okay, with all that business out of the way, we're going to take a quick break and we'll see you back here for our first listener question of the year. All right, we're back and ready to hop into our first listener question. Let's hear it. Hey there. I have an 18-year-old college student who's itching to get a tattoo. I financially support them, and they'd be using my money for the piece. I got inked back in my college days and regretted it. I'd rather they wait and pay for it for themselves. How can I guide them without damaging our relationship? Is it okay for me to just say no, considering they'll use my money in the end? Thanks. Not on my dime. Jamila, do you have tattoos? I have lots of tattoos. I'm very tatted up. And I'm torn about this because one of the first things I did when I went off to college was getting a tattoo. Like within two, three months of getting to campus, I went and I would imagine I had to have used my parents' money because I wasn't working quite yet. And I love the tattoo that I got when I was 18. Um, I don't regret any of my tattoos really. But um, I understand where this parent is coming from. You know, it is their money, but there's something, I don't know, like when you're, you're taking care of an 18 year old, you're giving them money to eat, to go out, to do things, you know, but you're not necessarily telling them what to do in the way that you did when they were 17 and living in your house, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, so I think the best thing to do here would be to say, I'm strongly against you getting a tattoo at this point in your life. I got one at your age. I hate it. I wish I hadn't done it. I think you should give this a little bit more thought. And I would prefer that you didn't use my money to do it. But ultimately, I think you should give your 18-year-old the ability to make their own decision about whether they get a tattoo or not. Because in a year, they could get a part-time job and get a tattoo and have the same feelings about it, you know? No, I am also very weirdly conflicted about it. Like... It's, do you have tattoos, first of all? I do not, no. Okay. Are you? Do you, Zach? No. I, I'm conflicted because it feels like two different issues. Like, there's the money issue. Like, if you're financially mm -hmm. supporting your college student, what, your 18-year-old, what, like, what are they allowed to use the money for? Like, have you set, have you set those boundaries somewhere? And do tattoos fall in those boundaries, right? Because... Like if they're, I think I don't know what the financial arrangement is, but I think it's okay to say like, 
this money is for X, Y, Z, like a, a boundary in which you say, this is the money for this. And if you use it for something else, this is essentially what happens, right? Because that's a boundary, something that you are doing that the other person does not participate in is going to happen. So if you have yeah. set that out, if they do use the money for a tattoo, what are you going to do about it? And what is the cost of doing that? So if you say like, if you use my money to get a tattoo, um, I'm going to, you know, deduct it over the next couple months or, or however that looks, I'm going to take this out of that money. Um, that is a consequence. And what does that do to your relationship with your 18 year old? And are you willing to take that hit? And so much of that depends on like, what is your relationship with this 18 year old? Are you guys on good ground? And this is like the first time you're kind of hitting this or are you on really bad shaky ground? Because I think Jamila brings up a really good point that even if you get over the money hurdle, the tattoo may still happen. Um, and you kind of have to be okay with that because they're 18. I think, obviously, hopefully you have a good relationship in which you you are able to convey to the 18-year-old why you don't want them to get one um, at, at this point in their life and have that open dialogue. But again, they're, they're 18. Um, and if they want to go get one, they can. <laughs> yeah, they're 18. Even if you've like said you can't use, you know, this money is for like food and, you know, gas, they'll just like eat less for a couple weeks and put that money toward a tattoo. There's nothing, there's nothing you can do. And so I think that it's totally um, understandable that you are living with the regret from your own tattoo. But as we've heard from Jamila, like 18 year olds get tattoos that they like, you know, all these years later. This is um, something that we did in our home in the last, uh, so Shira got her first tattoo like, uh, I don't know, a month ago. So this oh. is this is very fresh for us. And one thing that I, I didn't insist, but I, uh, I, I encouraged her to go online. And what you can do now is like the tattoo that you're thinking about getting, you can get a fake tattoo version of that. And it's like 10 bucks. So I, I just like encouraged her to like wear it um, and make sure to make sure that she liked it. And, and she did do that. Um, she tried it, in, you know, in a different couple different configurations she got a lemon slice um and she tried it with a fake with a fake tattoo um from a couple different angles and i think that helped to to fortify her nerves and to to know like what it was going to look like so that's one thing that you can do you can make your make make it known that you don't like your tattoo but that doesn't mean that they're not gonna like theirs but it's 18 it's over i'm sorry they're gonna they're gonna do it no matter what so they're gonna you do know, it how, how close do you want to remain to them? They're going to do it, honestly. They're going to save up the money. They're going to borrow money from a friend. They're going to get a job just to get a tattoo. Like, the tattoo train is out of the station. And the more I think yep. about it, you're really not going to be able to stop this. I think starting out with the temporary version, just to see if it's, you know, see if you like it, see how you live with it. Maybe insist on that, you know, say, like, as a condition of you using money that I'm supplying for you to do this, I'm asking you to get this temporary tattoo and try it out first. But also yep. take into consideration, like, where is the tattoo and what is it? Because it might be mm. small and discreet. And even if they end up regretting it, that's not really a huge deal. If it's not, like, on your forearm or your hand or your neck, you know, somewhere where people can see it. If it's a small, discreet tattoo, it's really not a huge deal. And tattoo <laughs> removal is so common now, you know? Yeah. <laughs> they even have How much is tattoo removal? I've been curious about this. 
Uh, it's hundreds of dollars. It used to be more, you know, hmm. but I don't, I don't think it's as cost prohibitive as it used to be. That's, that's a big deal too. That's, that's helpful to know. I wonder if a conversation about why they want the tattoo and what they're planning to get might also change our letter writer's feelings, right? Because the letter writer is putting so much of where they were when they are 18 on on their child. And, and maybe they're in the same place. Maybe it's my friends are getting them and I want to get one and I don't really know what I want kind of situation. But it may also be something more... Um, like that pulls at your heartstrings or that you can understand, right? Because Jamila, I can imagine like if, if you were like, hey, I want to get this tattoo that my dad has, right? Like if Naima came and said, I want to get the same tattoo that you have. I feel like I'm independent now and I'm headed out. And this is like a good reminder for me. It's like all of a sudden that that Very is sweet. a whole different thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, then like I would like to get, I don't know, something silly that all my friends are getting across my whole back. You know, I, I just think... <laughs> there's there's such different reasons and what they mean and that is really relevant here. Why do you think though tattoos are so like triggering? I would imagine I'm curious to know if this is an older parent, you know, because yeah. it just seems like I don't know, like my parents who were older parents have tattoos, my siblings have tattoos, you know, like I'm just used to tattoos and my mother didn't get her first tattoo until she was fifty. You know, I'm just oh, wow. used to it being like very normalized, you know, so I'm kind of surprised that this now. person is having such a big reaction to something that's just so not a big deal anymore. You know, you go to the doctor and you see doctors with full sleeve, you know, you go to a hospital Everybody. and you see a surgeon with a sleeve, you know, mm-hmm, it's just mm-hmm. a thing that people do. I will say here in Japan, they are still very um, frowned upon, like you can't even go to many um so onsens, like public baths or other places if you're tattooed. Uh, really? Some places won't even let you cover them up. Like uh, you, some places will let you just cover them up, but they are still kind of culturally mm. associated with the, friend, the fringe of society and specifically kind of like mafia type activity. And so they consider them like... like just no one would want to see them. I, I'm confused because I'm like, why... Like, what if you don't let people in with tattoos out? They think they're, like, preventing crime. That is confusing to me. Um, but it seems like I still see tons of people with them out and about here. It's just separate spaces that they're then, you know, not allowed mm-hmm. in here in Japan. But I have never experienced that, you know, recently in the States. Like, I, I feel like, Jamila, like you said, people have tattoos of all walks of life. Yeah, and and I think this parent, not on my dime, you know, your kid knows about your history, and I think, you know, you you've let them know the risks, the you know, the possible, um, you know, regrets that may might come. I think you've done what you can do. Like, they're gonna do this no matter what. So, yeah, I I think you gotta just uh, let it go. I just had this thought too about safety. I literally I don't know very much about tattoos, but. It seems to me like there's probably better places to go. <laughs> and if mm-hmm. they're going to do it, don't you want them going to one of the better places? I don't know. I, I think a conversation at, and then maybe in the end, you're you're better off kind of supporting them through the journey and guiding them to do it the right way than pushing mm-hmm. them so far away that they do something dumb. 
Right. Like letting somebody on campus give them a tattoo. <laughs> the old stick and poke in the dorm room. <laughs> Don't do that. Uh, well, not on my dime. I hope everything works out. I am curious what that, what your first tattoo was that, that you regret so much. Feel free to let us know. But I'm also just curious to know how the rest of you out there listening have handled this or how you would handle this. Email us at careandfeedingpod at slate.com. That's careandfeedingpod at slate.com. Or you can leave us a voicemail at 646-357-9318. That's also where you can send in any questions of your own. Okay, we're going to take another quick break. Be back in a second. We're back and moving on to a segment we call Triumphs and Fails. If you're new here, we'd like to share a story from our week in parenting because at the end of the day, we all need a little commiseration or celebration. Jamila, are we commiserating? Are we celebrating? We're celebrating. We're celebrating. Uh, This triumph is about a week old now, but it was a a good one for us. Um, As I mentioned before the holidays, I attempted to have the Santa Claus conversation with Naima. She (laughs) rebuked it and insisted that he he exists and I was trying to ruin Christmas. And Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. the challenge that I had was traveling to Chicago with Naima's Santa Claus presents um, without her seeing them. I let her open most of her gifts for me before we left, like we left on the 21st. So she opened most of her stuff for me before then just because I couldn't get it all in the suitcase. And somehow I managed to get her to bed by a reasonable time on Christmas Eve. And I put out the Santa Claus presents. And even though my mom didn't have a tree, uh, she felt, you know, confident about where they were placed in the house. We forgot to leave out cookies. You know, she didn't trip over that. You know, she felt very convinced that Santa had come to Chicago with her presents as well as leaving some for her at her dad's house here in California. And she had a great Christmas. That's great. That's awesome. Did you talk? Was there, there was no more talk about it. No more about talk about Santa. it. It was just letting her have live, live out whatever fantasy she may or may not be yep. holding on to. Great. What is your strategy for next year? You know, I think sixth grade, I just refuse to believe that she's going to still believe in Santa this time next year. You know, like Mm -hmm. she'll be in middle school. The kids are going to want to be big kids. I've seen those like notes on Pinterest that are like, you know, very, uh, you need, you need to go look them up like a Santa note. Maybe she needs like a letter that she gets that's like, listen. (laughs) (laughs) Are they from Santa? What's the what's I haven't I, seen this. It's more like a letter from you that's like Santa still exists in this magic form and you're now on the other side of the line. And here mm-hmm. are ways that we can continue this Santa magic with people, you know, around us. It's kind of a gentle like Santa doesn't exist. Uh but I think the idea is that you like give the letter kind of in preparation of the season so that it's not all wrapped up in, well, am I going to get these gifts? Am I going to, you know, like a, mm-hmm. like a mm-hmm. letter in July kind of situation. <laughs> it might not be a bad idea. <laughs> See where you are. Take her temperature on Christmas in July. <laughs> See where you are. Elizabeth, how about you? Triumph or fail? I am taking a fail. Uh, we just got back from a 20 some night trip, which is long um oh my god to vietnam and thailand which was amazing uh there's so many 
so many things that happened. But um, we, so when we travel, my parents were also with us on this trip. So it was just like traveling chaos. Uh, we have to get two hotel rooms in a lot of places because they don't fit all five of us. And so we kind of split up um, into two rooms. And on this particular night, Oliver and two I... Two separate from your parents. Right, You're yeah, saying so your my parents, parents get third their one own room. Yeah, yeah. So okay. Oliver and I were in one room and then Jeff mm-hmm. was in a triple with um, Henry and Teddy. And we... Um, on this trip, Jeff and I both really like to go get massages and, and things like that. So we stayed in a lot of places that had like little spas in the, the basement. So we put the kids down and then we would go down and get a massage at night. And so one oh, such night we, we had gone, but you have to take the room key. It's like these places only have one room key and the room key also runs the electricity in the room. So we would, um, we have to pull the room key. So the kids are now like, asleep they know where we're going they know where grandma and grandpa's room is they know where their brother's room is they know how to get to the lobby i know parents are gonna like totally lose their mind but we commonly leave them in the hotel rooms uh and we have like the the key and so there's also no electricity in the room they the light will not work but they have a you know an ipad that has a flashlight all of that so i had left oliver when i left oliver he was not asleep he was awake he knew where i was going <laughs> totally fine mm-hmm. He was like, mm-hmm. oh, yes, you're, you're going to the basement. No problem. I have this lovely massage. It was so great. I come back up to the room and I go to open the door and the deadbolt is thrown. He has thrown that like the metal bar. And so I can get yeah. the door open, you know, just a little bit. So I'm right. The, the walls in these hotels are also very this is this is not the Marriott. This is like some local hotel. So I am like, you know, Oliver, Oliver. <laughs> Nothing. So I go and I knock on <laughs> Jeff's door. I'm like, hey, Oliver's locked me out. He's now dead asleep. Jeff's like calling calling the room phone. I can hear the room phone ringing. We're like trying to call the iPad to have it ring. We're like yelling <laughs> through the door. Just like nothing. And I'm thinking, okay, yeah. well, my options are like, I can go sleep in the other room with Jeff. Right. But at some point, Oliver's going to wake up and I'm not going to be there. And I still can't get in in the morning, you know. So I'm I'm not really sure what to do. Jeff is coming and kind of like shaking the door. We have everything ringing. And finally, he does wake up and he comes to the door and he is so confused. And we're trying to get him to like open the door and he's confused. So he does finally open the door and I go in. I'm like, you know, buddy, are you scared? But he's just going back to bed in the morning. I like explain what happens. He doesn't remember any of this. And he Mm -hmm. says, no, you locked the door. (laughs) Like I didn't lock the door. I was on the outside. He's like, no, you locked me. (laughs) Like, no. Uh So then I was, we were scared the rest of the trip to like leave him that he would do it again. Um, So we ended up just putting him in the triple with Henry figuring, okay, well, Henry won't do it. But I was thinking like, great, we're in this, you know, small town in Vietnam and my child is locked (laughs) in his own hotel room. Were you, did any part of you start to freak out? Like, oh my God, like. Is there any way he's like passed out in there? You that you didn't you didn't like no, your head I don't there. I don't spiral about that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I I had this more like practical of like I don't want to wake other people up. Uh, it was I feel kind of guilty like this was already kind of questionable. Should I leave my child, you know, alone in the room? And it yeah. never once occurred to me that he would like deadbolt the door when I'm not in there. Sure. 
I think he must have like been going to the bathroom and noticed that it wasn't like like was already asleep, noticed mm-hmm. that it wasn't deadbolted and thought like I should deadbolt the door, which is a good, you know, skill because when I'm in the room and I'm going to bed, they always see me like double check that it's locked, you know, but all was fine. <laughs> and what about the rest of this epic adventure? I didn't know you were going for 20 days. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. It was great. It was ama- it was amazing. The opportunity to get the kids to see these places, and I think particularly um, Vietnam, just because you know Henry's starting to kind of study about the war and relationships mm-hmm. there and, and things, um, was really like eye opening. And he got to hear from his grandparents about um, people they knew that had been stationed there, and um, yeah, it was it was incredible. Can you describe the best bite of food you had? Oh my gosh. Everything we ate there was amazing. It was so. Did good. the kids eat? It was so good. Uh, the kids ate. Yeah, yeah. I th- I think because we're in Japan and they're so used to, it's like we already made kind of the hurdle to Asian food, like that there's going to be mm-hmm. rice at every meal and that some things are spicy and that the chicken just kind of looks different, like those sort of things. They're much more willing to, to take bites of things and, and eat. So yum. But I mean, wow. I ate nothing but amazing pad thai in. <laughs> Thailand. And Zach, what about you? Triumph or fail? I'm going to call it a triumph. Um, We kind of last minute decided to take a trip to Chicago. Oh my gosh. um, Lemieux land. We went on the the 28th. We drove because it's just five hours from here. And uh, Shira's brother lives there. And we've been trying to take the kids there since like neither of them have been there. So we've been it's been the trip has been long overdue uh but we stayed with shira's dear friend who she met at camp when they were like 12 uh who has uh, a four-year-old and a one-year-old and just from the from the very beginning of the trip which was four nights long the kids played so beautifully together and this four-year-old boy uh gaby he just was so obsessed with noah and uh, really, up until this trip, Ami has been very much like um, stuck to me um, or Shira in in bigger crowds, and like you know, just like wanting to sit on my lap. And if he's playing, it's kind of parallel play, and not so much kind of getting into it. But after like a day or two, he got really comfortable with these kids, and like he and so you know, Ami's three, and then this four, this this four year old um, and Noah were like playing really beautifully together and um ami was just kind of getting in there in a way that i hadn't yet seen him get in there with with older kids and i, I was really it was really great especially like you know we're, we're on this trip and catching up with these old friends and for the kids to be able to neutralize each other you know what i mean like they could just go off and do whatever the hell they were doing um and and for us not to have to you know be checking in on ami or for ami just to be like you know all up in our business for the whole time was very very refreshing um we took them on the l for the first time because this is their first time in chicago and the l is i mean if you're looking for just like really cheap kid fun the l first of all it's so fun and chicago is one of the most beautiful cities ever and just to weave through it and see the architecture from from that elevated train um it was like a a real a real highlight the kids the kids loved it um we did like one touristy thing. We went to this nature museum, which was great. But for the most part, it was just hanging out, eating good food. I was going to say, a great, what, a great trip. what great Chicago food did you have? 
Shira and I were able to go on a date one of the nights because her and her brother babysat. We went to the Purple Pig, okay, which is in the West Loop. Have you ever been? I've heard of it, but I haven't been. It was very good. We had like an incredibly long um, date. It was like, uh, I mean, the dinner itself was like eight to eleven. We closed the place down. We we had a bottle of wine. We had all these courses. It was like a really nice, really nice date. Mm-hmm. Um, we went to Portillo's which I had never been to before to try the Italian beef. Um, <laughs> we uh, were very full after. But, um, oh, this is another triumph. At Portillo's, Ami, who's gotten very good at at um, the potty, as as listeners might know who, who are listening toward the end of 2023, he said he had to go. And we got in there, <laughs> and he wanted to go in the urinal. So he wow. went... He peed in his first urinal, y'all, and he peed on the wall a little bit. And I was like, welcome to the club of disgusting men being in bathrooms. Um, yeah, he, he peed in his first urinal. So talk about milestones, right? Yeah. Did he love that? Because once my boys had that, they were like, you know, like anything without a urinal is <laughs> not cool. It's yeah, he, he loved it. And he likes he's gotten really into peeing outside. He says he likes to pee on the leaves. He's he's peeing everywhere. Yeah. So, yeah, very proud. Very proud of my kids. Uh, And great little uh, road trip for us. That's great. I love when you get to travel with other kids and then your kids, like, mesh so well. It's just such a nice little thing that that happens. I don't know. Totally. And it doesn't always happen. Like, for there, there, something can happen, you know, where for whatever reason, the the rhythms of the kids don't quite sync up and then you're kind of screwed. So we got lucky. Um, all right, listeners, as always, we want to hear your parenting stories, too. Did you have a particularly great triumph or a hilarious fail? Share them with us, and we might play them on the show. You can write to us at our new email address, careandfeedingpod at slate.com, or leave a voicemail, 646-357-9318. So if you leave us a voicemail, we'll actually hear your voice on the show. So we really encourage you to do that. We love when you get your messages, 646-357-9318. And that's our show. Subscribe, leave a rating and a review, and tell your friends. If you want more parenting advice, you can find Karen Feeding the Column on Slate.com. This episode of Karen Feeding is produced by Rosemary Belson and Maura Curry. Shasha Leonard is the voice of our listeners. Alicia Montgomery is the VP of Slate Audio. For Jamila Lemieux and Elizabeth Newcamp, I'm Zach Rosen. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.